Hi all, welcome to another episode of Real Talk in Real Time. This is episode 8, season 1 finale. I'm your host, storyteller and badassery advocate, Jay Herman. Today, my guest is me. The premise of Real Talk in Real Time is to give you behind-the-scenes access to the creative process of Real Talk, the blog plus interviews with creative souls to hear shared struggles of how we keep things real in our lives and passion projects. So it seemed fitting to use this finale episode to introduce, or rather reintroduce myself, using the interview questions that I pose to guests. So without any further hubbub, we're going to give this a go. Jay Herman, that's me y'all, is a freelance writer, storyteller, and badassery advocate. What do I do? I write about midlife wellness and nutrition and culture. I've also enjoyed many other careers, namely jewelry design, acting, media production, law enforcement. I am what I consider a multi-passionate, obsessive-compulsive, highly sensitive INFJ empath. (laughs) When I'm not researching stuff, writing, or working with clients, I spent a great deal of time with my very opinionated cat, Mr. Skimps, or I geek out watching sci-fi movies. So let's get on to those questions. Starting with Ms. Herman, where do you hail from? Like, where are you from? Where did you grow up? And where do you live now? Well, I was born in Washington, D.C., but I grew up in Elizabeth, New Jersey, which is really a long story for another time. I've lived in Washington State, North Carolina, Georgia, Virginia, and now after all of my travels, I'm pretty much settled in Sarasota, Florida, where I've lived the longest. I moved here in 2000 give or take and up until just recently um, yeah I've been here since then so I'm just getting back to Florida from um, a year living in Washington State I will say that one of the things one of the major reasons why I came back to Florida is that Sarasota is where I grew as a woman as an entrepreneur as an artist as an intentional living person this is a town full of hippies believe it or not even though there's a lot of affluence here there are a lot of people that are really involved and dedicated to sustainable living and um you know it's it's florida so you would think that it's and it it is very retirement friendly but also maybe it's the carefree living lifestyle that has i found people are more inviting and um holistic and so it took for me to move away for me to realize how much of a gem Sarasota really is and I'm glad to be back what do you do for work and is it your life's passion (laughs) interestingly that that question when I ask that of other guests it just seems like it's so simple and yet when it's time for me to answer it I'm like what Uh, My work right now, mostly I'm doing freelance work. I have one social media management client that um, she owns a restaurant. She's a really dear friend. I'm there practically every day anyway. I love her food, but like literally I, I told her that I had retired, but if she needed my help, I would help her out. And so she's the one social media management client that I have. I also
also do WordPress work websites. I've been working with WordPress since 2002. Um, I enjoy working with the CMS platform. I love to see the new advances and how websites have changed with WordPress, specifically self-hosted WordPress sites. And so I still do that type of work on the side, I guess you could say. Um, a major bulk of my work going forward in uh, the rest of this year and going forward, I really want to focus more on my freelance writing and also the work that I do with creatives who are looking for guidance with writing or pursuing a creative career since uh, most of my adult career, my career life has centered around being a freelance professional in a creative realm in some capacity. And also, a little known fact, I work as a produce clerk at Sprouts Farmers Market. <laughs> so yes, I am now working my life's passion. I, I love stories. I love hearing them. I love writing them. I love sharing them. I love helping other people share their stories. Specifically, I love the backstories. I love learning how people think, how they've traveled through their lives, what lessons they've learned. I mean, I really like to get to the deep stuff, you know, get below the surface and like really dig into what makes people do what they do, especially creative people. Like, you know, if it's, if it's like this natural talent that they have, like when did they know they had that talent and who else in the family and what are they doing with it or what do they wish they were doing with it? Um, so I think in one capacity or another, I've worked as a storyteller for most of my professional career, um, starting with blogging and then moving into journalism, doing video production, and even in acting, acting is storytelling. So with real talk in real time, I get to dig into the behind the scenes with creatives, listening to their lives and their journey. And it's interesting to me, but also because in sharing their stories, we can hear how we're more, we're all more alike than we are different. Because creating, as a creative, it's a solo act typically, right? Um, especially if you're like a creative writer, we do a lot of that on our own, which often makes us feel like we're the only one feeling a certain way. You know, we feel alone in our struggles, but when we hear from others, you know, that they may be feeling the same or experience something similar, it's validating and it's empowering. And so that's why I started, or at least, you know, my initial intent was to start the podcast to give you my behind the scenes. But then it's like, you know, this is bigger. This is bigger than me because there are so many other creative people who have done more and better things than me. And so let's listen to their stories. And, you know, it helps me to continue going too because, you know, I have those moments where I feel so alone and, you know, I get down. And so having an opportunity to hear from other people, it's empowering to me as well. And so that was a bit of why I wanted to start the Real Talk in Real Time podcast. And going back a little bit, so I also, I love food, produce specifically. And I say this quite a lot. My close friends know this about me, that produce is life. And I've known for a really long time that I'm supposed to work in nutrition or food production in some capacity. I don't really know exactly what that means. So for now, that means working as a part-time produce clerk. It's 
only now that I fully embrace that. And the reason being is because I've wanted to work in produce, specifically organic food, since I started writing and researching content for my digital publication, Modern Heavy Mag, way back in 2005. And, you know, I would go to the farmer's market and, and feel like, oh my God, I want to be here doing something. But I was so afraid of what people would think, you know, because back then, you know, I'm, I'm doing this digital publication, even though it was called Modern Hippie Mag, so I could have done it and probably no one would have blinked an eye. But then, you know, soon after that, I was doing, I, I owned a media production company and I was doing video production work with some really big name clients. And so I was thinking, would people take me seriously as a media professional if I also worked on a farm or at a grocery store? And I didn't want to work in marketing or admin, you know, in that capacity since those were skills that I could apply there. No, I, I, I felt for a really long time that I needed to be hands-on. And I found in the short time that I've been working at Sprouts, I, I, I researched the company before wanting to work with, work with them over someplace like Lucky's, who's now out of business, or Whole Foods, which I just thought, I like Whole Foods, but there's just, I don't know, they were just a little bit too big for this introvert person. And the Sprouts that we have here in Sarasota, it's, it's just, it's big enough. And so um, I'm, I'm proud of the work that I do at Sprouts. It's very gratifying. I get to be hands-on with produce that I love, but also interacting with customers and clients and talking to them about food and nutrition and recipes and vegetables. And um, I, I love it. I love from the moment I walk in and I see that person who, especially now, right, we're, we're going through this coronavirus situation and they have this look of panic or stress or dread or what have you and giving them that smile and seeing them return the smile because typically most people you can't help yourself someone smiles at you you will smile back and that's like crack that is crack to me and so yeah i i really love having the opportunity to break away from being at my computer and writing and spending so much solo time and then you know going into that place that i'm just surrounded by gorgeous produce and that i get to help people it's very cool okay uh, where did you study or learn your craft? And so I profess to be a storyteller, freelance writer, and a badassery advocate, which we'll get to. But what did I study to do that? Well, hmm. my undergraduate degree is in criminal justice and psychology. I do not have any formal, quote-unquote, writing uh, training as of yet, but I strongly believe that we are the sum of our experiences. So I can confidently say that my time as an MP in the U.S. Army, my time working in media production, my marketing experience, my time as an actress, um, that time I published an online publication, all of those things contributed to my creativity in some way or another, and especially as a jewelry designer, since, you know, I can't draw and I didn't do anything you know, creative before I started making jewelry. And so, you know, you add up all of those things. And I believe all of that gave me experiences to draw on. 
and not to mention life lessons that I've learned and I'm still learning. So these are the things that I recall when I sit down to write or when a thought comes to me. I'm, I'm thinking about something I, I've experienced or something I've learned um, at some point in my life. And certainly um, it's made me better at dealing with OCD and you know my mommy baggage, my abandonment issues that I've talked about before. Since started since I started writing and sharing, I'm finding that I'm I'm really coming to grips with a lot of my past. So I I feel that that's what makes me qualified, if you want to call that training um, training of hard knocks until maybe some formal training later down the line. This is another interesting question. Is your public persona different from who you want to be? Uh, are you the person today that you aspire to become? And if not, why not? Who came up with these questions? Okay, I started Real Talk so that I could finally and unconditionally marry who I am at my core to everything that I do and say. I feel like being real and living my truth is the epitome of intentional living. But I've also come to realize that it's, it's vital to practice humility and kindness and compassion along that intentional living journey. Because being a person who has really strong opinions, I found that there are moments when I've, I've been kind of cocky about that. But intentional living is the basis of having a global community and, you know, global love, having love for your neighbor. And in that way, there's no room for arrogance or being unkind or, quite frankly, being a dick. You know, having strong feelings is one thing, but ultimately, in the end, it's never my intention to come off like an asshole when I speak my mind because I am not perfect but I like myself I like that the journey that has led me to now and the journey that I'm on now has made me into someone that I like I love the woman that I've become and that I'm working every single day to solidify her and I like that journey did you always know you were creative and how did you find your creative voice? It's taken me a really long time to find my creative voice and to follow my truth. I finally feel like I'm on the other side of worrying about other people's expectations and judgment. It took me, it took me to exhaust trying to fit into a mold to realize that the molds don't suit me. You know, I had to understand where my physical and emotional happy place is and then decide if those boxes that I was trying to fit in, if those boxes were helping or hindering my chances of getting there. And when I decided that I wanted to write, I thought I was supposed to write like everyone else, doing the how-tos and authoritative articles and the scholarly stuff, but that's just not me. I don't regret the time that I invested in learning how to write like that because I learned lessons that helped me to be the writer that I am now. 
but they don't that those lessons don't dictate my creative voice or the direction that I'm heading in so yeah I've, I've taken sort of you know the roundabout way to feel solid in my creative journey and in my creative voice so yeah that's how I found it <laughs> how do you manage productivity and do you stick to a tight schedule oh. no I do not stick to any strict schedules but I am very organized being organized and logistics they're like my superpower because I'm visual I like to see how things line up in my head you know like I was talking to Lauren uh, the other day and I was saying that my brain feels like that scene in Minority Report where he could see the documents like in this virtual thing and he's like using his hand to move them out of the way and move on to the next thing that's how my thoughts are in my brain when they come to me I see them I see the things that I'm going to write even when I'm acting and I'm learning a script I see the script in my head before I put any type of emotion or action to it so yeah that's typically how I keep projects and tasks together but I also have lots of lists like I use Google quick keep for um, for notes I also have thousands of drafts in Google Docs I have hundreds of worksheets in uh, Google Sheets because I like the alignment of seeing how you know how the data is in a worksheet and I use Google Calendar a lot because I schedule tasks and reminders for myself but also I use Asana project management systems for a lot of my projects and definitely for client stuff so I can keep things organized and if I ever need to collaborate with my clients on something I found that using Asana is a lot better than using like just a, a slack um, and there is a um, a feature in Asana that you can sort of have those I am type of discussions but yeah so I use Asana and I'm a Google person so that is how I manage my pro productivity but I don't stick to any rigid schedules next question how do you feel when you create or work with other creatives well the creative energy that I feel when I'm working with other creatives it's it's effervescent it's bubbly and it's intoxicating I love it there is nothing like brainstorming coming up with a plan of action working it and then seeing it come to fruition I think I think people who create are special creatures <laughs> and we don't get enough we don't get nearly enough credit now I'm not talking about like superstar athletes or movie stars or people like that um, they're making bundles of money I'm talking about like the indie musicians and artists and creative writers because I kind of feel like we have more guts and grit like we maintain more of our humanity because we're closer to the struggle of being a creative and that keeps us humble right? I mean I don't know I live it and so I'm still closely connected to what that feels like and you know I have just such great admiration and respect for people who aren't afraid to live outside the box and I think that's what you know indie creatives and people you know who are bootstrapping that is exactly what we do and um, so yeah that's how I feel when I'm working with other creatives is that you know they're like super beings this is a good question 
How do you handle imposter syndrome or times of self-doubt? Now, I have talked about this quite a bit with guests on the podcast because it is a reoccurring theme for a lot of creative people. Maybe people in general, I guess, you know, no matter what field you're working in, but specifically creatives who are setting themselves up in sort of leadership and, you know, putting, putting themselves out there, you're constantly wondering, am I good enough, you know, or should I be doing this? Um, will people, you know, think that I shouldn't be doing this, that I'm not qualified enough? And yeah, I struggle with imposter syndrome more times than I don't. My negative nanny, and I call her Lizzie, she's constantly in my head telling me that I'm not good enough, that I'm not qualified to write or speak about midlife or confidence or coaching or writing. I mean, I wrote about how I deal with her, but ultimately now I find that I ask myself two things. What's the worst that could happen if she's right? And what's the best thing that could happen if she's wrong? <laughs> kind of a spin on the same question, but essentially I sit with whatever thoughts she throws at me and I lean into them and I examine how they feel and then I let the truth bubble up. Essentially what I'm saying is I look fear and doubt in the eye and say, yeah, okay, so what? What are you gonna do about the things that you're spewing at me? Because if you can't back up your bullshit, if you can't show me those times when I didn't measure up or I didn't do what I say I was gonna do, then I'm gonna call bullshit and I'm gonna go move on and do the thing that I know that I believe I can do to the best of my ability in that moment. My best, my way. You know, so rather than wishing for something outside of myself or wishing that, you know, I can do the thing that someone else is doing, I'm gonna do me the best way that I know how. And to someone else's standards, that may not be good enough, but it's good enough for me. And I think that's a big part of being a badass is saying, I'm going to do this on my terms. And the, the humble, the humility that comes into play is I'm going to do this and put it out there to the best of my ability and hope that people like it and hope that people accept it, but I'm still going to do it. And yeah, so <laughs> that's my little take on self-doubt and imposter syndrome but also I think I found that going down this path this creative journey I can't do it alone I need support I need um, any positive feedback I don't mind criticism but having negative I, I can be negative on my own <laughs> I don't need that coming from somewhere else so surrounding myself with positive, creative, like-minded people who understand this creative journey, that is one of the primary ways that I'm able to cope with and manage imposter syndrome. You know, I'm, like I said, I'm fully capable of criticizing myself. Thanks, Lizzie. So I certainly don't want to have folks in my inner circle that are doing that. You know, granted, there are going to be people that I never meet that are going to read something I write or listen to something I say and be like, that girl is batshit crazy. 
or she's not qualified or what have you. And you know what? I don't need to know those thoughts. They don't need to come my way, but, but my inner circle, the people that I lean on for support, I don't need negativity from them. I don't mind someone saying, well, you know, that might be a little off or what have you. We talk it out or we brainstorm, but negative, like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I can do that for myself. So I guess all of that is to say my version of badassery, doing the things that I dream about in the face of fear and self-doubt, that, that's putting negativity or self-doubt that's that's putting that putting it aside you know by just doing things even when I'm afraid to do them because you know what it's easy for folks to stand on the sidelines and not go for what they want and criticize other people that does not need to be a part of my story now granted sure I go on the roller coaster I, I vacillate between periods of feeling invincible and feeling like a complete failure I get down I get sad I feel insecure but ultimately I don't stay there I'm constantly getting back up I'm constantly reinventing or shifting or pivoting so yeah um, <laughs> it takes it takes a lot of courage to recognize that, yeah, I don't have it all figured out, but I'm still going to do it. And I think, yeah, in doing that for most of my adult life that I can remember, I can look back and pull nuggets, you know, things that I've learned, things that have benefited from me. And in that, I, I guess I, I created a system for putting it out there in a way like this is what I learned and maybe it's something that you can benefit from you know so as what I call a badassery advocate is I offer that as exercises and resources not again to say I have all the answers I have it all figured out so listen to my advice I'm saying I can tell you what's worked for me or what I learned from the experience or what I'm still learning through a, a process because ultimately we all carry our own answers. Sometimes it takes for someone on the outside to see your puzzle pieces in a way that you may not see because you're too close to it. And so that's what I do as a badassery advocate. There were instances where I referred to what I do as a confidence coach, but honestly, I don't like the word coach, which is why I try not to use it. I feel like coaches have you know, specialized training or something, and I don't feel drawn to follow a traditional quote-unquote coaching method. I'm collaborative in how I work with folks. Um, that's why I call what I do empowered soul sessions because ultimately that's how I want people to leave these sessions, feeling like, yeah, they can do what they intend to do with the answers that they've had all along. I'm advocating for their success which means that's just more than cheering or encouraging or leading. I'm actually pushing. <laughs> so working with me, it's not for the faint of heart because I take accountability very seriously. And I think that's one thing that folks I've worked with can really relate to is that 
if you tell me that you want to go after something or rather don't tell me you want to go after something because I'm going to be there saying, you know, okay, what do we need, need to get there? You know, what, what's the plan? What's, how do we get that plan? And, and so I found that rather than try and put myself in a position of saying, um, this exact formula is exactly what's going to work to make you successful or happy or what have you. No, that's not what I'm doing. I'm saying, this is, this is my story, this is my experience, this is what I gleaned from it. Um, what do you think? Does anything in your life parallel what I'm saying? And then if that's so, if we've, we found that common ground, how can we map it out in such a way that makes you feel confident to move forward on your path? Okay, so yeah, that's my thing on being a badassery advocate. Next question, what are your tips, tricks, or must-do habits or a piece of advice you'd like aspiring creative souls to know? Hmm, well, I have loads of tips and tricks that I offer my clients, but my advice to aspiring creative souls would be stay clear of negative people as best you can. Um, I talk quite often, you know, as an INFJ sensitive person, uh, the process of bubbling up, you know, like visualizing this bubble that surrounds your heart and your, your, your psyche and making that bubble as thick as you need to, to keep negativity out. Um, but more importantly, believe in yourself, surround yourself with people who believe in you too because then you'll be able to better judge who you let into your bubble. And uh, don't give up. Even when you have moments of feeling self-doubt, when you, when you just, that inner critic is like, your Lizzie is screaming at you, keep going. Just go for it. Um, figure out things that you need to do as you do them, as opposed to sitting back and waiting until you think you have all the answers to move forward. And I, I think, that was one of the things I loved about uh, my interview not so long ago with uh, Stephen McFadden is he said something to the effect of fail fast. So you can get it out of the way and, you know, like move more towards success. Um, so yeah, not waiting until you have things all figured out or perfect. Just, just do what you can with what you have at the time. And that is not the same as fake it until you make it because I hate that expression. But like, like really, truly look at what you have and work with that. And that's not faking it. That's being genuine. That's, that's living, living in a truth, a truth that may be, you know, in that moment, it may be something that you carry into your, or carry, it carries you through your journey, but it's still your truth in that moment. And um, I truly, I truly believe in that. Okay, winding down here. <laughs> What's your guilty pleasure? What gives you a break from creating? And what do you do for fun? How do you decompress? Wow. Well, it's not very often, but I do. Uh, I'm a Hulu junkie. I have several shows that I watch on Hulu. I like to let them build up so that I don't have to watch one at a time. The beauty of um, the Hulu app. And um, let's see, I watched several ER type dramas, like hospital shows. The Good Doctor, I love, or I didn't think I was gonna love. I thought maybe the idea of 
an autistic doctor wasn't going to go very well, but I like the show and it seems to be, you know, doing well. Um, New Amsterdam. Now, I only started watching New Amsterdam because the lead actor who I can't call his name right now, but he was also in a show called The Blacklist and he is hot, Tom. Oh my God, he is so beautiful. So when he left the show, they killed him off. Ooh, not happy about that. But he got the lead in the show New Amsterdam and it is a completely different side of him. He is not running around killing people. He's not an assassin. He is this, and, and as far as I understand it, the show is based on a real life person. And he, he has some depth. He really does. He, he just comes off as a really genuine, good person. And I like, he's constantly asking his staff, how can I help? I really appreciate that. And I also watch The Resident. I'm not going to say it's an absolutely fantastic show, but uh, yeah, it is what it is. Um, I also watch a lot of uh, cop shows, specifically like right now I'm watching The Rookie. I think it's cute and it's quirky and it's not too deep. It's not like um, a Law & Order SUV type thing, which I used to watch back in the day. It's, it's more lighthearted, but I still get some cop drama in there. Um, Oh, I'm so addicted to the show This Is Us. I think it is the absolute, positively best show on television ever of all time. It is some of the best, best writing and acting and real life portrayal. Um, yeah, so I really love that show. I really, I wish I didn't love that show because every episode will pull on your heartstrings. Not every episode will bring me to tears, but it gets close. And, oh, and Will and Grace, the new Will and Grace, because Jack is freaking hilarious. And there's nothing better than, you know, feeling a little stressed or overworked and sitting down to a few episodes of Will and Grace. Will and Grace. Um, oh, I just binged a Netflix reality show. <laughs> is Love Blind? Oh, my God. Talk about a train wreck. A couple that meet without seeing each other and basically speed date leading up to a marriage proposal and and then uh some of them a couple of them actually got married yeah i i almost hate myself for watching it but anywho um what else oh when i can which isn't very often i love learning and dancing kizomba which is um, a dance that's originally out of Angola, but it's morphed into several different types of dance, with Kizomba being the foundation. I'll have to share a video so you can see what I'm talking about for probably most of you who are not familiar with Kizomba, but um, I love Kizomba. I started dancing it maybe two or three years ago, and it's probably the one thing that I can do where when I'm dancing, I'm not thinking about anything else. Like I literally, I'm only focused on dancing. And so that is definitely a way for me to break away from creating and decompress. And oh, gummy bears. I now have a very unhealthy addiction to sprout gummy bears. People, the struggle is real. I buy a pound of gummy bears practically <laughs> every time I work and I should be ashamed, but I'm not. 
Okay, let's see. Wrapping it up. This is final question. What is on the horizon for you and your projects? Wow. So I am giving serious thought to how Real Talk, the blog, can and if it should include or rather align with my healthy living agenda because it's a big, huge part of who I am, but I'm not really sharing a lot of it in my writing. And I have some ideas for how I can merge, you know, some similar things that I've written, like when I was doing content for Modern Happy Mag, into the Real Talk blog and maybe even the podcast. I don't have it all figured out yet. It's still too early to make like any announcements, but it's coming. I can feel it. I can almost see it. So I'm just going to let the idea simmer a bit and we'll see what happens. <laughs> I essentially, I, I feel led to include more wellness content and, you know, possibly more writers, more voices like guest contributors or something. Again, still working it out, so stay tuned. On a personal level, I'm looking forward to including more healthy choices in my daily life, like yoga or walking regularly and <laughs> getting outside of, you know, my apartment. So I'm not, even though I love, I love my solitude, I do need to be more physical. And I am pretty certain that in doing something more physical, more exercise and whatnot, that that will undoubtedly affect the, or infect the content that I write. So again, we'll see. Now it's, it's also talking about the blog. It's unlikely that I'm going to reinstate paid content via Real Talk, the blog, um, which, you know, from the, from the beginning, that was a big part of why I moved from having a WordPress blog, since I love WordPress, but that I moved it to the Substack platform is that I do have the ability to put content behind a paywall, which is different from Medium in that with Medium, yeah, you put things behind a paywall, but you don't control that paywall. With Substack, you control it. And so initially I did have paid content, but in writing Real Talk, I just feel like I haven't, one, I don't wanna necessarily put content on Real Talk that is content you would pay for like a newsletter and I don't feel like I've really given you content like that um, but you know anything can happen so stay tuned for that now no I take that back there is a thought of creating like series on Real Talk and perhaps offering the first of the series for free and then doing follow-up pieces as you know quote-unquote premium content again we'll see it's um i'm feeling really good about where i am with the real talk blog so i feel like i don't want to rock the boat i'm feeling good about this um well where i am with it and so we'll see how things how things change um let's see what about oh Obviously, for the podcast, there I have no plans to ever put any of the real talk and real time podcast content behind a paywall. That seems a little weird to me. Now, granted, 
if I ever do like bloopers or um, I don't know some extras from guests that might be something I put behind a paywall but again I'm really feeling good about the content and where we are and the process that I've now figured out for for doing the podcast so that likely won't change but um I don't know we'll see now again this doing the blog doing the podcast a lot of energy a lot of work goes into it and I I do have you know like I work with my clients and I'm saying if you're if you're doing creative work that you feel has value you should be paid for which means that you shouldn't be afraid to ask for money and my clients will tell you my project management uh, clients will tell you I have no problem asking people for money but I need to feel that I'm I'm giving something that I don't know um, it's not that I'm saying what I'm doing doesn't have value. It does. I feel it certainly has value to me, and I, I'm, I'm pretty sure from the comments that I get from you all, lovely readers and listeners, that there's value in Real Talk, the blog, and in the podcast. And so, I wouldn't feel bad necessarily asking for money, but more, more than anything, I, I feel. I feel okay in saying if you if you want to support me, if you want to support the projects that I'm doing, specifically Real Talk, the blog and the podcast, and you want to, you know, pledge some support, there are ways to do that without it feeling like I'm I'm necessarily creating extra content to make that support seem like you're paying for something. I don't know. Um, so yeah, I do pledges and monetary support through buy me a coffee i love that little platform i love the way it's set up i love the creators i love the connections there i love that it's really simple that yeah i do coffee and um you know five dollars may not seem like a you know doesn't seem like a lot but several five dollar cups of coffee uh, can add up and would really be nice so yes um, if you want to give me some support for what I'm doing through the Buy Me A Coffee, I will make sure I include a link. And there's, there's actually, come to think of it, there's some fun extras included with uh, pledging. And it's not like content on the Buy Me A Coffee, but uh, starting next month, I had planned to do like just some fun quick video check-ins with people that are supporting me through that. So, yeah. So yes, if you want to support Real Talk, the blog, and Real Talk, the podcast, um, speaking of season two coming up, um, I'd really like to do more episodes in season two, like this season one, I was good to do eight episodes, but I'd like to do, you know, 15 episodes for season two. So if you'd like to support that, please um, follow the link and, and buy me some coffee. <laughs> So yeah, there's there's lots of guests. There are so many creative people that I've connected with that I am now in the process of going through those recordings so that I have um, a backlog of content for season two. So I'm really excited about that, which also brings me to if you're a creative person or if you know someone that um, likes to talk about what they do, please 
um, I'll have a link for that too. Send them my way. We'll get them scheduled so that um, we have more creative people to listen to on Real Talk and Real Time, the podcast. So those were all of the questions that I ask my Real Talk guests. Now, granted, every guest is different. And so I tailor the questions based on who I'm talking to. And we kind of ebb and flow. So maybe that doesn't happen in this (laughs) because (laughs) I'm interviewing myself. But this was very, very interesting, very introspective. And I'm glad because it was fun. I got to re-examine and look back on my journey of my career and creative stuff and real talk. And so that was that was cool. So I hope that this has been an enjoyable time for you as well. For anyone who's new to listening to Real Talk and Real Time, the podcast, please know that there are seven other episodes with really awesome creative people. I'll have a link to those other episodes as well, sort of like as a summary or um, a look back for the entire season in just a short amount of time, just eight episodes. I really feel like the show is a lot more solid. I still do not have any plans on making this very polished, like with intro music and all of that kind of stuff. But uh, I think if I were to go back and listen to episode one versus this episode and, you know, the episodes with my guests, I, I'm, I'm pleased to say I've come, I've come a good long ways in a short amount of time and I'm happy with this work and I hope that you're happy too. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for your support. Please send me your emails, drop your comments, let me know how you feel, just say hey. Um, but in these crazy times, people, take care of yourself. Be happy, be safe, be healthy, and always keep it real. Thanks.